the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. It's a very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Eternal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spell. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Let's it be, y'all. Let's it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Everybody, welcome to that witch life. Co- I just almost <laughs> said that witch life contest. Wow! Oh I just, my god! I was just rallying my colleagues, like, "Come on, guys, we got to get ready for this. Let's do, let's do it!" And then I just went that witch life contest. Hi, welcome to that witch life podcast. I am your host today. I'm Courtney, and I am Hillary. I'm Kanani. And um, another fangirling episode for me. One of my very favorite podcast hosts is coming on today. We have Dana Schwartz, the host of Noble Blood. This is really, really cool. She's talking with us about James VI, also known as the Witch Hunter King. So we're going to be talking about witch hunts from long ago. But first, Kanani is going to review WandaVision. We've got a very interesting listener question. But um, first, I want to give a little more love to the people of Texas. When we first, um, we mentioned them last week and was like, oh, Texas is without power. We record these episodes far in advance. Um, When we recorded that, it was not widely known about the devastation that Texas has faced because of the ice and storm. And so if we sounded flippant, um, we certainly apologize. That wasn't, we, we just simply didn't have the information at the time. I don't think anybody did letting Texas know if you can hear us, we are, um, holding you in love and everybody else. Um, please go to our website, thatwitchlife.com. We have a list of places that are supplying relief to the people of Texas. If you have a few dollars, please, please support. It really, really, really counts when you're in a disaster zone. Um, yeah, that's all I had to say about that. Yeah. We love you, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how's everybody doing? How's your magic these days? I mean, it's pretty great. Um, I'm, I've, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like my magic has worked really well for me recently. <laughs> between uh, getting the uh, getting a, um, a offer accepted on a house, and then I was uh, also worked some magic around uh, the appraisal of the house, uh, which it mm. appraised very, very high above even what I offered, which was unexpected by everybody. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been, um, I have a whole section of my altar. So my altar is like, it's like a platform here and it goes down and there's one here and it comes up like this. And we can't, people can't see what you're doing. Hillary is like going with these different levels like here. Yeah. And then she's going down from here. It's basically <laughs> like, it's like if you've seen like a, um, like a vanity that has like a lower section and two higher sections on it. Uh, my altar is like all three sections and I have different sections of it for different things. And so I created an, an entire section of the altar for specifically for manifesting a house and, um, and manifesting that it went well and smooth and the whole process. And here we are. 
and I will should have the keys by the 15th of March. So I'm very excited. So yeah, magic is working well. Right in time for the Ides of March. I don't know what that means for uh, <laughs> getting into a home, but we're just going to pretend that it's a good thing. It's yeah. a great thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. Kanani, you've been baking. I haven't seen you bake in so long. And that looks delicious. I used to bake all the time. And I used to take cake making classes and all kinds of things. And I, my house is just absolutely upside down because we're painting it and getting ready to move. And it's just no. driving me crazy. And the kids were driving us crazy. And so I just decided to kind of do some errands yesterday. And I took them with me just to get them out of the house. And we went and um, I actually saw a lemon bunt cake mix. Ooh. And I'd never actually made a bunt cake, which meant I had to buy a bunt pan. And so, and I actually, I think that's going to be my new favorite thing because I started going online and looking all the different styles of bunt cake pans. And I already warned my husband once I have a kitchen and we've moved, it's game on. I get to buy as many bunt cake pans as I want. And so I just bought one and my favorite, one of my favorite flavor combinations, probably top two, is um, is lemon and lavender. And so it was a lemon bundt cake. Yes. And what I like to do is I'm not a big fan of culinary lavender. I don't necessarily like the texture of it, but I use lavender extract. And so what I've I other people when I posted it kind of were like, where did you make that? How did you make that? And I just let them know what I do is you can use any lemon cake recipe or mix and you just add a half a teaspoon of lavender extract because it goes a long way. A little goes a long way. And I made a uh, honey lavender glaze and it it just called for a, a honey glaze. But I, my honey that I buy when I buy honey, I buy honey lavender and so or lavender honey. And so the the it perfectly went with the cake and so i've been eating that for the last two days because i liked it more than the rest of my family so i'm gonna have eaten half the cake to myself but it was beautiful winner it was beautiful and <laughs> I, it was so delicious now i know you do a lot of work with lavender in your magic do you do do you include magic when you're doing your baking as well or is it just like it was interesting because i i haven't baked for most of the time that i've frankly had kids because I just don't have the time and I don't have a big kitchen. And so it's just, it's like, you know, it's a one butt kitchen. So when you get more than one person in there, it starts to get annoying real fast. One butt kitchen. Is that what you're going to put in your real estate listing? Saying it has this beautiful updated one, one butt, butt kitchen. Not be kitchen. a one butt kitchen. I've, I've lived the last <laughs> 12 years with one butt kitchen. Was I'm that a list? Was that literally on the list of the things? Like did, did I think you need to specify cannot be. have a minimum of two butt kitchen minimum of two butt kitchen and so um you know i'm kind of ex that's one of the reasons i'm excited about getting a bigger kitchen is i realized i would like to start kind of getting back into baking one and including the kids and so i was kind of talking to them i i had them help me and i was kind of teaching them some of the things about baking and i i definitely think it would be good for the kids because they've definitely i think inherited my attention span which is zero. So <laughs> the fact that certain things take more than 30 seconds was just like very daunting to them. So I'm like, yeah, I think this would be good for us. I'm with you on the zero attention span. Just none. Just if it takes longer than a minute, I'm pretty much over it by the time it started. If my life was a podcast, it would be called that ADD life. <laughs> 
mine would be called what were we talking about again yeah you're like mine would be called wait what day is it yeah <laughs> my exactly. podcast would be called kanani hillary here's what we're doing again oh yeah that is my podcast so that is my witch life exactly oh yeah oh wait Oh, wait. Yeah, that's that. So, all right. What I really want to know is I started watching WandaVision. <gasps> so, you did. So, Are you caught up? Well, no. Oh, because right. I mean, like, I, ha I don't have that much time. I mean, it's hard, though, because look, I'm like doing the podcast and working and teaching and working on music and packing to move and dealing with the loan. I mean, it's like I a lot. I'm having a hard time seeing how I mean, there's really nothing more important than watching WandaVision right now. I have watched some and it's amazing so far. How are we going to discuss this then? If Hillary hasn't hasn't been caught up, are we going to make it's fine? It's, it's You're fine no, with it's spoilers. Fine. All right. So Kanani, tell us what's happened I'll at forget. WandaVision. Again, don't at us. Don't come for us. We are always, we can't help it releasing this. A week We're always going to be at least a week behind. Yes. Period. <laughs> always. So yeah, well, one, one, if you haven't seen it or you're way behind, now is the time to turn, tune out. Spoilers, Spoilers coming. are coming. Yes. Kanani, spoil WandaVision for Hillary. Go ahead. So I was very annoyed because like all the other things, horrible things that Courtney makes me watch, she got me all excited because she's like, have you watched the latest WandaVision? And I said, no, not yet, but I'm going to. Because I always forget. I think they come out on Fridays. I don't even, I don't yes, even know. I always end up yep. watching it over the weekend. So, Wait, how many episodes um, are out right now? Seven. As of today, it's seven. Oh, my God. I just got the password seven. yesterday. Like, literally, how the fuck am I going to watch seven episodes? Calling sick to work like a oh normal person. That's true. The last one that I had seen was the one where Vision was trying to leave the barrier and he was dying as he was trying to leave the barrier. And I literally was so excited after and so like jazzed after that episode, I couldn't sleep for like 45 minutes because I was just like, ah, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Is he going to die? Is he, is he going to go back? What's going to happen? And um, I really like the character Darcy yeah, I think she's, she's hilarious, so and she I love awesome. her. Like she, she and I awesome. would be, she and I would be like best friends. We're like cousins. She has like my same just dry, dark sense of humor. And so then Courtney said, "Well, there's another episode. You got to watch it. It was so good. It was so good. It was so good." No, that is what Kanani. I think of the last what? episode. What? No, Kanani. I was. Excuse furious. me, Agatha. All along. Okay, we're gonna pause here. We gotta play the song. Marvel, do not sue us. We're using this to promote your show. Free advertising, free advertising. Don't sue. How could you? How could you be upset after that song? I mean, because I want, uh, that is my theme song. I want it as my ringtone. It is everything. The thing that I have looked forward to all week long about the next episode, like literally none of it was discussed. Like the entire Vision storyline was like. Mah, mah. I don't know. I just, I was super, but it, it felt like a filler episode. 
a filler episode. We've just I been was... introduced to another villain who is a badass witch played by Catherine Hahn, and her name is Agatha Harkness, and she has the best intro song in the entire world. That song it needs to be my song. If I were getting married tomorrow, I would march down the out of that fucking song. I know you would. I feel like I feel like you're maybe going to kick Kanani off the podcast. I feel like maybe we're going to move to the listener question before I have to kick Kanani off the podcast. Any final words, Kanani? Completely underwhelming. That's how I felt that episode was. Ugh. Well, I am underwhelmed by your review. Um, and I guess we're going to have to wait for <laughs> Hillary to break the tie. And let's move to a listener question before I get really upset. All right. Anyway. <clears throat> listener question. I recently got into witchcraft with the start of my Jupiter return. Awesome. Your podcast has been my first resource. I never know. I'm sure what to say about that. Like, yay. That or, seems, I'm sorry. That seems like a veiled threat in some way. That I'm, doesn't, I'm not sure I'm, that's a good oh thing. Oh my God. I'm like, Oh my God. I just went to apologize. Okay. Well, and it did a like, wonderful okay, job. So... Oh, this is, oh, this is awesome. And it, your podcast has been my first resource and it did a wonderful job of introducing me to this whole new world. Disney reference just for Kanani. Yay. So being in my early twenties, it truly reassures me to know that there are others who also began this path at a similar stage in life. I'm a Sagittarius sun, Leo moon, Capricorn lies rising and have an Aquarius dominant. So you're probably going to run the world within five years. I've been pretty much been an atheist since I've been able to think and have always rejected organized religion. However, paganism has always appealed to me, especially because pagans just mind their business. Very true. And recently, I've been feeling the presence of a divine feminine entity. I recall waking up once in the middle of the night to my door being opened, and there was a feminine figure standing there. I was still mostly sleeping, so I thought it was my sister, and she let my cat into my room, so I was able to feel him crossing to my bed to get to my altar space where I had water in a bowl. My cats have done the same thing with the, wall, with the water on my altar. I remember telling him to come sleep next sleep next to me and telling my sister to close the door since light was coming in, but she never moved. What I thought was my cat was actually so much bigger than him and was dark like a shadow. And I was mostly asleep. So I didn't think much of it. And I just went back to sleep in the morning. I wasn't able to tell whether it actually happened or if it was a dream, especially since my cat wasn't even there when I woke up. I shrugged it off and thought of it as yet another thing I don't have the answer to just yet. That was until I heard one episode where Courtney briefly mentioned how dogs are associated with the Greek goddess Hecate, and it made me instantly remember that night and how the figure, which I thought was my cat, more resembled a large dog. I also remembered a couple of other dreams I had where there were snakes, and in one of which three snakes were intertwined into a knot. I did not know much of anything about Hecate or her symbols until then, as I am very new to all of this, so I worried I might be reading too much into this. I apologize for the really long message, but I would very much appreciate a second opinion. Blessed be and keep on moaning that shit. Okay, well... Um, it's such a good question. It's a good question. I mean, I don't know. It It's possible. I mean, it sounds... Like there's a lot of imagery there that is connected with Hecate. Now she is not the only goddess that is associated with snakes. Um, and she's also, you know, other, I mean, it, it may have been, you know, a form of a dog that was coming to you. Um, and I, I honestly, I don't know. And there's, there are other deities out there that might share some of her same symbols. Um, so it's easy to think that now I do know Hecate is knocking on a lot of doors recently. And so it's, 
quite possible that she was knocking on yours as well. I think the what I would do if I'd had this really beautiful, you know, it's funny, I had a very similar experience in my early 20s with Bridget, um, the sense of somebody coming into my room. Um, and this time it was a dream that somebody left something on my bed, left a note. And um, there was nobody home at the time. So it was, um, you know, it was one of those waking dreams. And I and that was um, actually a part of my journey to learning to write my book for Bridget. So it's it's interesting. We've got the same um, the same correlation. What I would do if this were me is I would ask Hakate and you know is say hey are 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 you trying to connect with me? Um, how can I help you? What are you looking for? And um, wait and see what happens. And you know be open to the possibility it could be a different deity. Um, it could be a spirit guide. That's not a deity at all. But I think it's possible to just also in your meditations ask for clarity, see if this deity will give you a little more information about who they are. Usually finding the answer to these take these kinds of things takes a long time. It is a journey. So I wouldn't look to have the answer in one meditation or in um, one more dream, but usually it's a series of signs and sometimes it can take years. So I think it's awesome. Um, thank you so much for letting us be part of the early part of your journey. And I would take it as a, you know, the first step in getting to know what sounds like a very powerful um, ally of some sort, spirit or deity. And I was going to say, I don't really like the phrase, am I reading too much into this? Yeah. If if you suddenly think that you are the goddess herself and, and, and now, you know, she's come in and she's been in your room and now you're encapsulated by her and, and you carry her spirit dog or something like, okay, you're, you're, you're reading into this. Okay. You're, you're taking this a little far. If you've just, become open to something that an experience you had and it's causing you to look into something or go in a direction, roll with it, have fun with it. I agree. You know what I mean? Like there's, that's, that's how I look at it is don't worry about if you're reading into something, if something all of a sudden comes to you and piques your interest, go with it. And maybe in learning about Hecate, you know, you start, learning about something else and that piques your interest that that and you transition to something else that doesn't belittle or change your first experience this is just this is an experience you've had that's drawn you to something roll with it have fun with it learn about it you know go for it as long as you're not like you know diving you know head first into some you know crazy you're you not know. quitting your job and moving yes, to Greece and now and you're out on the ruins around naked screaming how you love Hecate that that you know uh, that was me though love. that's been that's I have done lot. that you I know, don't the judge. thing is though is I also I agree I think that like I try in these I mean I have a a tendency to overanalyze everything that's just how my brain works but I find that when I do that it doesn't serve me at all so in scenarios like this I think just like maybe note down the things that you're experiencing, keep a journal on it so that you can reference it back, but it'll come. It, it will like, you know, what, whatever, whoever is trying to contact you will, it, it will, it will be known at some point. And I, and I wouldn't worry about overanalyzing it. Just like enjoy the ride. 
So a couple of quick shout outs to let you know about. First of all, I am teaching a three-part class on working with deities this month in March. Beginning on March 16th, it is a virtual class through Catlan Books, a three-part series. So if you're interested in working with any specific deity, um, we're going to be talking about some ways where you can intuit if the if the deity is calling you and how you should make offerings, how you can be sensitive if you're working with a deity from another culture, all those sorts of things. Um, so you can go to catlandbooks.com to find out more information or to sign up or come to our website. In our show notes, there will be a link where you can find out more information. So um, as you know, Kanani has released two new spell kits, one for luck and one for Ostara. So um, a lot of people are getting both of them. It's a really, really great time of year to bring some luck into your life. Now that we're in springtime, we want to make some things grow. And also if you just want to do a really great Ostara ritual at home, Kanani has got you all hooked up. So check out our Etsy site for that. Um, And as always, we really, really, really want to thank all of our supporters, um, giving a special shout out to people on Patreon. So we are now releasing um, episodes early, and we also are releasing ad-free and extended episodes on Patreon. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to bonus content. Um, Higher levels get you access to our private Facebook page and our live virtual special events as well as early release and longer ad-free episodes. If you sign up at the So Mote That Shit level, not only do you get the extended ad-free episodes and monthly virtual special events, you also get a quarterly box of goodies filled with things from our sponsors and our guests. And I pull a tarot card for you on the show. So I want to give a special thanks to our new patron at the So Mote That Shit level, Anthony. And you get a tarot card pulled for you and you have the seven of wands. Okay. So this card looks a little more intense than it actually is. So it's one person with um, a wand in their staff in their hand, trying to fight off like six other people who's coming at them. So I call this the whack-a-mole card. It's a card of not being sure where to put your energy first and feeling rather overwhelmed. What I see in the seven of wands card is that things may not be as dire as other people want you to believe that they are. So it is really okay to push back and say, no, not now. This can wait till tomorrow or next month or next year. So set your boundaries. Don't let people infringe on you with their sense of urgency. And uh, yeah, thank you again for being a patron at the So Mote That Shit level. So other ways to support the show, if you can't do a monthly donation because we're in a pandemic and that's difficult, we certainly understand. You can always buy us a coffee or check out our merchandise on Etsy. Other ways you can support the show, consider becoming an episode sponsor. It is a great way to promote your business to thousands of witches or purchase a shout out, which can let people know about your virtual event or just send a message of love to your very favorite witch. Find out more about both on our website at thatwitchlife.com. And we are now ready for a word from our sponsor. 
You all know that we are all obsessed with herbs around here. All three of us lost our minds when we discovered Fox and Elder. Fox and Elder is a small farm just north of Nashville, Tennessee, run by Sarah Schuster, who was an herbalist, herb farmer, and plant witch. Their work not only offers a variety of herb-based products, but also offers education on homesteading and herb cultivation. Fox and Elder's products include teas and tinctures, including a line of tarot teas based on the major arcana. Their Empress Tea draws on a variety of floral notes, herbs, and peaches, which includes calendula, hawthorn leaves and flowers, lavender, plus other delicious herbs. I'm totally particular about my teas. I'm super picky. And so I'm super stoked that they offer custom tea blends working with clients to blend something wonderful and delicious just for you based on your needs and desires. Fox and Elder also offers a monthly zine called Full Moon Philip, which offers tarot spreads, herbal profiles, and recipes. The Samhain issue will have a focus on ancestral work, a tarot spread for the full moon in Taurus, and an herbal profile on Skullcap. Fox and Elder also offers a podcast called Tending Seeds, which covers a variety of homesteading and herbalism topics available on all major platforms or directly on their website. So be sure to subscribe and add Tending Seeds to your listening rotation. Their episodes follow the seasons and do deep dives into gardening and how to find powerful magic and healing in different herbs you can find in your yard or just along the road. As a witch who does a lot of work with quote-unquote weeds, I was fascinated by episode 29's exploration of goldenrod. I know I will be listening as my husband and I finally start growing our own garden. To receive 15% off your first purchase of teas, tinctures, or a full moon zine subscription, go to foxandelder.com and enter code THATWITCHLIFE at checkout. Fox and Elder, meeting you where you are, offering a variety of ways to step onto the plant path. Thank you to Fox and Elder for being an episode sponsor. So, uh, Hillary's got her screaming goat on hand because I'm about to fangirl this episode up to Mars and hang out with the rover Um, because we have Dana Schwartz here. So, Data Schwartz is the creator and host of the number one charting podcast, Noble Blood, from iHeartRadio, which tells the stories of fascinating royals from history. She's the author of three books, and the fourth is coming out next year. And she's written for the Marvel series, She-Hulk, and an upcoming Disney Plus project. Dana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for that that incredibly generous introduction. You're so sweet. I forgot to add that Dana Schwartz has the best podcasting voice currently on oh. the waves right now. So um, as I'm just listening, <laughs> I just listen. I'm just like, Dana. <laughs> That's all my not poli- creepy at all. No, I love it. I love See? when people, people tell me sometimes that they listen to my podcast to fall asleep. And they're like, but not because it's boring. And I'm like, great. I love it. Listen to it however you want. Yeah, like you you're know, like, whatever you want. There is yes. something so soothing listening to you talk about bloodthirsty murdering royals. And it's just in a way, uh, um, my favorite one, Kanani, actually, this should go in, uh, Kanani has only listened to two podcast episodes ever. Um, one, and they which weren't was, ours, by the way. They weren't <laughs> ours. Yeah, they're not um, ours. She listened to um, uh, one from Wine and Crime and one Sarah Marshall's episode on Anna Nicole Smith. Now you're about oh. to listen to a third one, which is called The Ice Queen. Is that right? That is a, yeah, a, a really a fan favorite episode. And oh. one of mine too. So just in one sentence, it's I like, already like the title. So I, it's yeah. already rather captivating. 
Kanani's like, I relate to this title. She's like, right? I relate to this woman. It's about the Russian me, maybe queen. It's about me. A Russian queen who made a man sleep in a palace made of ice because he pissed her off. I understand. I relate. It's to a her. lot crueler than that. Her reasons were quite petty and she dragged an innocent woman into it and it was terrifying. I still but- understand this. <laughs> this still makes sense to me. What did I miss there, Dana? That's pretty much it. Also, the Ice Palace was an elaborate all ice replica of her own royal palace, which is just like, I think like peak camp and and yes, are, it's just beautiful. That's something to aspire to, really. I mean, yeah, it really is. That's, I mean, I'm constantly telling my husband that, you know, he's going to sleep on the cold patio, but, you know, <laughs> if I could actually give him an ice palace, you know, <laughs> that'd be pretty fantastic. You're like, I'm going to pull out some Elsa, but honey, it's not going to be cute. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to be good for you. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good for you. So um, anyway, Dana, your story, your story, your uh, series, Noble Blood, is just the most fascinating stories of uh, famous monarchy characters from history. And it's for some reason, witches are all about all about monarchy. I don't know what it is. We're all up on the crown. We were all into game of Thrones and except, you know, for season eight, which we won't talk about, but um, you know, so, but what drew you to studying Royal Royals? I think it was a just, I, I, Noble Blood is like very much a passion project. Like I'm not a trained historian. I just always was reading a bunch of these stories. It started in childhood. Like I was reading like young Royals books and reading like um, books like Mary Bloody Mary, which were like young adult middle grade books about Tudor yes. princesses. Yes. So that was always in my brain. And then as I grew older and took like European history classes, I was just more interested in like, dynamics of power and people than battles and Mm. so i think that's what drew me to royal stories and then in terms of starting a podcast it was like what is the thing that when i learn about it i just want to like yell it at all my friends and i was like definitely these weird stories about royals from history and podcasts then serve that purpose twofold because then i don't need to yell it to all my friends i could just yell it in a microphone and my friends are spared and they're all, they all should be listening. If they're yeah, they should be. Yeah, they should they be. If they're really good friends. But it's like another thing that's more of a logistical concern also, because so many people, not so many people, but I think I've read the point that's, that's intelligently made that sort of talking about royals is kind of classist. And it's a, and they sort of are like, are you a monarchist? Like, I'm definitely not someone who thinks that monarchy is like a a good form of government. I think you could listen to my podcast and be like, oh, these people should not be in charge. Yes. But also then the benefit of of writing about monarchy is they, um, there's a lot written about them. Like we know Mm. what they ate for breakfast and like what they did. And like that surplus of information just doesn't exist for like average people. So it's interesting to me with fully the belief that monarchs are no better than regular people because they're not, they're just like human beings who were born. But it's like, isn't it interesting that just random people through absolutely no skill or intelligence are put into these enormous positions of wealth and power? It's, it's so troublesome. And the thing is, it is, we still see it. I mean, I actually said to Kanani during one of our meetings, I'm like, the only reason you are not running the world is because you were not born into a billionaire's family. It's true. 
She's got the brains, the tenacity, and the control freak tendencies. She just doesn't have daddy's billions of dollars fueling her. But some people are born into that, and we've seen the results mm. of people born into that kind of wealth and privilege. Even if they're not monarchs, you know, so to speak, they have that same kind of power and hold that same sort of fascination. Absolutely. I think we're, I mean, throughout history, we're drawn to celebrities, for lack of a better word, like people who are beautiful and rich, just because like, we live vicariously through them. It's the same reason yes. we like love celebrities. It's like, well, her being good at like some actress being a good actor is no different than someone else being good at their job. But we love glamour and, and, and the trappings that go with it. And that's, I'm, I similarly am fascinated by all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm totally the same where I, you know, I enjoy a lot of that stuff and a lot of the gossip stuff and, and kind of trying to hear about the behind the scenes stuff. And, you know, I, I love all that stuff too. But the thing that's funny with me is the more that I, I like fan over someone and I really, really like them, I would never want to meet them mm. because I'm Elvira. so afraid yeah. You know, yeah. except Elvira, I just want to hold her hand and be her best friend and just tell her I've loved You're her like, since we I was a little be girl. Best like, friends, yeah, oh for God, sure. I've, totally I've loved you. It's it's funny, and I and I'm in no way trying to say this in a bad way, but <laughs> I remember I saw a documentary on Dolly Parton, and she said that she based her look and who she wanted to be off of essentially the town tramp. And everyone said yes. that woman is a tramp. Yeah. And she's like, that woman is I the most be beautiful that woman, woman that I've yeah. ever seen. And that was my Elvira. My Elvi Elvira to me as a child was like, that is what a beautiful woman looks like. That is an amazing woman. Her wit and her sass and her boobies out to everywhere. Like All to of me, it. that All was just, that was the jam. And so other than Elvira, Anyone else, the more I like them, like I would avoid them. Like if I knew they were in my town and I knew they were like in a certain part of town, I would avoid that part of town for fear that they're an asshole. I've had the the privilege in my career, like working for Entertainment Weekly and other magazines and like being in the entertainment industry, getting to uh, interview a lot of like my celebrity heroes. And like sometimes when you meet them, I just like I freeze and have no idea what to ask them. Like I sometimes love someone so much. I'm just like, I don't even know what I don't question even know. I want to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I met Tori Amos after one of the shows. Oh and God, I, gave I would have her, just died. Oh, I did die. I was resurrected, but I did die right there. And I gave her a copy <laughs> of the tarot deck I made. And I just said to her, I just want you to have this. And then she said, oh, she squeezed my hand and said, oh, thank you. Then she walked off and I just wept into the palms of my elbow length gloves right there. And uh, it <laughs> Oh my Call God. <laughs> I am so embarrassed for you right now. Like I would die. I would die. I, I have no I would shame. never behave that way. You know, I have like no I, shame. I feel the same way. Like I, I feel like I'm a pretty cool and collected individual. And most of the time that doesn't like phase me at all. But every once in a while, it's like someone that really like just you, you hold in such high regard their artistry or something about you that you about them that you really connect with. And then yeah, you're like, oh, I have a chance to say something, and you're just like, uh uh. See, I think that's how I would feel around someone like, like a Meryl Streep oh. or someone oh, like that yeah. who's just so iconic that it's just like, I don't, you don't I, want it's to hard Meryl to believe Streep. that you're You don't like want to Meryl Streep because she studies you for roles is what I've heard about her. She'll just start studying that's you for She's characters. fascinating. Yeah. Ooh. So anyway, um, I wanted to, so 
the reason we brought poor Dana on is not to talk about Dolly Parton and Elvira, <laughs> but I'm is that, although it's complain. fabulous, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to so talk good. about Dolly Parton and Elvira. <laughs> Dana on Noble Blood has a whole episode entitled The Witch Hunter King, which is about James the Sixth, who I believe was the son of Mary, Queen of Scots and like the godson of Queen Elizabeth I. And according to history, Queen Elizabeth I and Mary, Queen of Scots were enemies. But according to the Swarcia Rowan and Margot Robbie, Robbie movie, they were besties, sort of, um, but also <laughs> rivals. Frenemies. They were total frenemies. frenemies. Yeah, that makes um, sense. So tell us if I'm right. And also, who was James VI? Uh, you are absolutely correct. Uh, yes. Basically, uh, Queen... It had to happen Elizabeth, someday. Queen Elizabeth I, the famous virgin queen, uh, died without an heir, but knew throughout her life that she wasn't going to have an heir because part of her whole thing was, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have sex. Uh, so her cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, who threw a convoluted family tree sort of had a claim to England. So they were rivals because Mary Queen of Scots was sort of a threat to, to mm. Elizabeth's sovereignty. And also Mary Queen of Scots was Catholic. And so the Catholic people in England who didn't like a Protestant queen, Elizabeth, could be like, hey, we want Mary and rally behind her. So that's why Mary was a, was a threat. And ultimately she was uh, beheaded by Elizabeth for being involved in a plot to kill Elizabeth. But her little baby, James VI, was uh, also the King of Scotland. So King of Scotland, he was uh, James I because he was the first king of both Scotland and England. Mm. And Mary, Queen of Scots, had been married to this guy named Lord Darnley that she fell in love with. But then very quickly after they got married, realized he was like a full shithead. And so mm -hmm. he died in a mysterious explosion slash strangulation. That, oh, uh, I wonder how that happened. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good that, for him. You know, Mary, Queen of Scots was like, oh, no, what happened to my husband? However, oh, could it's these so weird. He's in them. pieces. It's so <laughs> weird. Uh, but, you know, that said, James the first was James the sixth slash first was just a baby at that time and sort of grew up more English than Scottish. Like he was tried to help his mother, Mary Queen of Scots, when she was imprisoned by Elizabeth, but kind of couldn't because he was in diapers. Well, no. And then later on, he was like, just like next in line for the English throne. And he, she, oh. he needed to stay on Elizabeth's good side. So it was like a really weird twisted dynamic for him growing up and probably a, a pretty hard childhood. So that's Sorry, what, Mom. I, Aunt Betsy says that I have to help you get killed. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, I know. Well, please don't behead my mom. But like, I can't say anything too much about it because I'm. I still want the throne of England. So I'm just. Oh. So yeah, he sort of had a, a psychosexual, traumatic childhood and young adulthood. And another fun fact about him, and then feeds into his witch hunter tendencies, is he's the King James of the King James Bibles. Oh. If you hear right. this James yeah. Bible, oh, yeah. it's, it's that king. Oh, yeah. Oh, my That's Southern him. Baptist family. That is, that is, that is their Bible. That's the Let me one. Tell That's you. the oh, one. Yes. Okay, now. Now it's starting to come close to home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So then, um, but the story of how he became the witch hunter king really started with a truly creepy premonition. So tell us about this creepy ass dream and, um, or, or vision or whatever it was and how oh, that God. led him to a, all the hunting of the witches. I remember that he saw his mother's severed head coming yeah. toward him. 
um, either just before or just after she was executed and that she was like, it's the witches. And he's like, oh, no, you're right. It wasn't Aunt Betsy. It's got to be the witches. The, another aspect of his creepy psychosexual childhood. Yeah. Mother getting beheaded and father getting exploded. Uh, I think would screw screw a young boy up. That's really going to fuck you up. That's not a, you know. And they didn't have talk childhood. space back then. And they really no, weren't no into support. A, like color therapy or anything like that. And then it was ultimately his wife and going to get his wife that uh, would lead to him actually. So it's all the women in his life actually hunting witches. So he clearly had had issues around women. So how was it? So he went to get married and then there was, from what I, um, so the, the witch hunts actually began with travel woes during their honeymoon. Yes. Like they A couldn't get bit. into first class or something. They got bumped and out into Exactly. The they got bumped out of first class. Some witches took their seats. He was furious. Oh. He never forgave them. Uh, <laughs> no, he. there was some uh, stormy weather around Denmark at the time. And his wife was, uh, or his future wife at that time, Anne of Denmark, he thought, I'll be a hero. I'll just show up like a knight in shining armor and sweep her <laughs> off her feet and bring her back to, to England. Already uh, Hillary's like, I got to come up with a tweet for this guy. Let's I know. I'm it. like, I got to like, I am already writing something down. I got it. <laughs> uh, he arrived in Denmark, which is a country where uh, witch hunts had already sort of been happening in the countryside. Uh, mm. And he picks up his wife. And as they're sailing back to England, there are horrible storms and they're forced to land in Norway, which at the time is part of the same Danish kingdom. Uh, but they land in Norway because of this horrible ship. It, ship, what's it called? It's not a shipwreck, but an almost shipwreck. They capsized or something they like that. They, Lifeboats, they, they, the 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 uh, the blow up slides come yeah. out. They have to jump yeah. out and they, they take out. Yeah, it's totally, totally Hudson situation. They made them stay in a Holiday Inn because there was nothing yeah, else. Yeah, you know, there's, there's nowhere else. To, there was nowhere else to go. It was miserable. But basically, because the the ship was what people blamed this disaster on that could have almost killed Anne of Denmark and King James, the, the sixth slash first. Uh, the shipbuilder was called before a tribunal and was in trouble because he built a, a shitty ship uh, and he blamed it on witches. And he said, uh, no, I, it was witches who conjured the storm and uh, some he named some names, and then some of the names of the women that he named also named names, which is uh, traditionally how a lot of witches were rounded up, people trying to get the, the onus and the guilt off of them. So by the time that James came back to, to England, he was all fired up about witches. And so he wrote this book, The Daemonology, all about how to spot a witch and what to do and and all the malevolent things that witches can do and are doing. And uh, yeah, one of the witches that he, one of the most famous witches in uh, North Berwick trial, which is like his, the most famous trial in Scotland that he was involved in, her original crime was like conjuring the storms that, that came against his ship. <laughs> if only I could. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm really, sure she only, wished at that if point. Only if only I could. She's like, at least if I'm going to get blamed for this shit, I should be able to summon a fucking storm. Real talk. You know, real talk, like, y'all. I have been blamed for summoning a storm. I'm not no, stop it. shitting you. This happened when I was not 
kidding you. This was in I was in New York, and there. Were, Do I need to tweet someone about this? Because I think I'm if this guy's still alive, he's probably in a psych ward. Honestly, but oh. at the time he was dating oh, my yikes. friend, and he. Oh, this of is the same. <laughs> what I had some friends back in the day. Na- naturally, I did. Naturally. Anyway, but he. he um, uh, his girlfriend told me that he was really upset because all the snow had come down and it was like New York blizzard in January, you know, and he's just like, this is Courtney's doing. She brought the snow and now we can't go to Cancun. And he was like, he had a girlfriend. He had a girlfriend. She was really well. I know. I'm like, why is not he like an edge? Some I imagine that is like some edge Lord living in his parents' basement. Well, he like, also that had is- a lot of money. So there were two things going on for him. <laughs> She went, she went Mel. I think she was trying to save him as a lot of times these girls that end up with these guys do. And he was loaded. So yeah, but he spent all the money on acid and I've never heard from him again. Fortunately, he's also been blocked everywhere, but yeah, no, literally I have been blamed for starting storms. It's probably not the only time either. That's the only time I've ever I wish heard we of. Could. <laughs> we could. Right. I know. I mean, just be like, you know what? I'm really like, we got to take some people out that do not need to be fucking with the world and just be like, Oh, Oh, look, uh, I really <laughs> oh, don't. That wanna... was an unfortunate thunderstorm. Uh, I really don't want to like... go to this brunch. That baby shower is going to be really long. That's right. Exactly. It also kind of reminds me of Joffrey in game of Thrones. And I just see him having like this absolute freak out at this poor shipbuilder and being like, why should I not have your head for ruining my honeymoon? Now my wife thinks yeah. that I have a small penis. And he's like, ah, that's cause it was the witches. Like it's insane. What were in the, in the, the book he wrote, what were the telltale say, signs of, Ooh, of witches? I mean, the main one that they used in trials when they were torturing women was finding a uh, devil's mark somewhere on her body, a privy or the witch's freckle mark, or yeah, a freckle somewhere on her body. So a woman, when she was being tortured and, conf- and forced to confess, basically would be shaved everywhere on her body until they could find a freckle and be like, aha, you're a witch. Ah, you're a witch. <laughs> that fucking freckle. Yeah, man. And that's what a, I think that's crazy. I think that they were one of the accusations was is that witches could feed their familiars through their moles. So they yes. would, uh, it's like a nipple. A nipple yes. Yeah. Like they became like to feed their, their cats or their toads or something, which just sounds. So if you had like a big old burly birthmark, you were like the yeah. high priestess of the group. You were like, yeah. you must be the most powerful witch because oh your God. freckle is, is four inches wide. Ooh, four inch wide freckle. Four that, inches. Oh, that sounds like yeah, that's that a big, like a problem. That's a big there. ass freckle. Actually, yeah, that might you might you might want to get that checked out. You know what? I actually was one of my part previous partners had a birthmark, and I'd actually heard that you know this is just an old wives' tale of of birthmarks are uh, remnants of how you were killed in a previous life. Have you ever heard that before? I've never heard no, that. I like so, that. so I write. Isn't I like that fabulous? That. So, anyways, his happened to be on his abdomen, and it was it was long, narrow, and and uh, it was long and narrow, and it looked like a perfect stab wound. <laughs> Whoa, that's interesting. And I was that's just so like, cool. "Ooh, someone stabbed your ass." And he's just like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, that's what is wrong I It was birthmarks, me. Birthmarks are somehow <laughs> a, a, a remnant of a, a traumatic death in, in a previous life. And so I always, that's I used to love the first his, time I've ever heard that. Yeah. So I used to love that birthmark that he had. Cause I was just like, Oh, someone stabbed you. I would think it every time I saw him without a shirt on, like you got stabbed. <laughs> I have a birthmark on my hip. 
You got stabbed. You got stabbed in my hip. And that was it for me. In your hip. Or shot, depending. If oh, it was like man, little, in the maybe hip. Because then you don't die right away. Chow, 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 oh, chow, chow. that's really bad. No good. No, maybe that's why I'm so anti-gun, probably. So probably. All right. So we we so we know that he he would they'd shave these poor women and find moles. What other things did they did did what other were some of the other uh telltale signs of being a witch? Was it being kind of sassy and listening to a lot of Lorena McKinnon, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think also the number one uh, way that they uh, accuse someone of being a witch is if someone said you were a witch. That's right? the real. Oh. Says you're a witch. So uh, essentially, if anyone said that, they were like, well, that means that you are one. And you're like, um, I don't, what? I'm not she is. Yeah. So it's like you're passing it along. Yeah, they pass it along, they confess, and then they torture you until you confess, which is also a telltale sign of being a witch is confessing because they're pressing your thumbs until the the bone splinters. Uh, That was a real one, the bone press. Oh, God. What was the bone press exactly? They literally, it's like they just, I'm demonstrating now, but I know that podcasting is an audio medium. It's like (laughs) what it sounds like. You put your thumb into a thing and it just presses down and crushes your thumb. Oh, Oh my God! No, no, that no. sounds less Yikes. than pleasant. Oh God! Oh, so what were some of the other methods? I don't know any more grisly than that, but they would then hang and burn the witches, which is pretty bad. Mm, and there was really the bad. like, if they floated, if you could float, that right? Was, then you were a witch. I think was that yeah, later. Was my understanding that that's a little bit more in uh, America. That was more. Oh, like Oh, that's an us thing. When they got fancy with it and they were really having fun with it and putting their own spin on it in the colonies. Mm. Those are Kanani's ancestors, by the way. They were, they exactly. were fancy. Bitches. Really? Super bitches. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm descendants from the Proctors from the Crucible, John and Elizabeth Proctor. That's I, so fun. I've always thought it was Elizabeth so cool. and I, I was trying to read through the family lineage and the way that it's written is so terrible. I can't figure out if we were actually descended through John or Elizabeth, but somewhere oh in that Proctor. Yeah, they the were Proctor all related. Clan. Exactly. Wait, they were, yeah, they were cousins so cool. anyway. It doesn't really matter. So, I mean. <laughs> they were cousins anyway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yep. So, okay. So then also one thing I noticed is that, um, so James the first slash sixes love of witches may have influenced Shakespeare's Macbeth. Yeah. All right. Damonology, the the book slash pamphlets that that James was printing, definitely put like witches in the zeitgeist, especially Mm. because one important thing that Shakespeare was doing was on some level writing political propaganda, because when uh, he writes Macbeth to sort of ingratiate himself to the new king, uh, one, he has witches because he's like, see, the thing you like. They're Ooh, in this, cool. They're in but also uh, r- rumored, it's not confirmed, but Macbeth would be a direct descendant, uh, the, the opposite of descendant, ancestor mm. to James's royal family claim in Scotland. So he's basically being like, look, it's this is a play for you. I made it for you. Yeah, and he sucks, and and you don't, and and witches, which still today is why people like Macbeth more than just yeah. the political intrigue and the pos and the you know the guilt and the blah 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 blah. It's it's the uh, um, it's, double it's, double it's, toil and trouble. Oh yeah, that's what it's all about. So if I'm it. getting, I'm I'm this is now I'm worried that I'm getting something wrong. It's either whoever ends up as king at the end of Macbeth 
Oh shit, I don't remember. I know. <laughs> oh god, I don't remember. I'm like, do I really need to look it up? I know. I, I, up? I don't. It doesn't really matter. But I think that's the guy who's like then the the line of mm, the king. Mm-hmm. But either way, my larger point is that it was basically propaganda to make James feel good about himself and to make him carry on the patronage that Elizabeth King Duncan so generous for King no, Duncan. King Duncan. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, so uh, thinking again about the witch hunts. Yeah. In your opinion, how much of these witch hunts were a product of belief at a witch of witches at the time, and how much of it was people closest around him convincing this one guy that witches were to blame? You know, maybe to either control him or to evade uh, blame themselves. Um, what are you? What is? What is your feeling about all of that? I think people genuinely believed in witchcraft. Okay. I think- Part of James, part of demonology and part of James's book is like talking also about biblical myths and magic. And I think like magic and mystery was very much just like a, a fundamental belief system in their life. And so even as the guys who are clearly guilty are blaming it on witches and to a modern ear, it sounds cynical, uh, whether the shipbuilder actually believed that, uh, witches did it or whether he just, you know, was being cynical and being like, this is a convenient excuse. I think 100% he believed witches had that power. Mm. I think that everyone at this time genuinely and fundamentally believed in witches as a, a literal threat and source of magic and demons were a real threat. So it wasn't as though they had to create that for him. It was more that that was already in the environment, so it was easy to to latch into. Maybe even the shipbuilder believed it himself, where he's like, yeah. I couldn't possibly be at fault. It must be the witches. For sure. And even like, they, they credit sort of James with bringing it to uh, England and Scotland. But I think it was because he believed genuinely with such a religious fervor. Like, as I mentioned before, he was the Bible guy. Like, he was a true believer in every sense of the word. There are also some rumors that uh, maybe he was gay and had homosexual relationships with men. Those are always sort of unsubstantiated because it does also seem like he had like a well consummated and fairly, if not loving, then cooperative relationship with his wife. Some, I think maybe more scandalous historians do like to read into that and sort of see this weird Catholic guilt psychology going on. Yeah, but that stuff's real. Speaking as a former Catholic student, you know, and it's it's just it. What the the Catholicism that is out there now is nothing compared to Catholicism back in the day, you know. Absolutely, the Protestant. Well, I guess all the churches of the era seemed pretty strict at the time. I mean, do you think it had bearing on the Puritans of the colonies? Maybe even led to you know Kanani's relatives getting into all kinds of trouble back in Salem. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, what the Puritans, you, Kanani will know more about Puritans than I do, but it's my understanding that those were the religious extremists to extreme for England. Exactly. I mean, yeah, they're the uptight assholes that they're like, you liberals need to stay over here. We're going to go find an entirely new country because we are far too uptight for all of your liberal ways. Yeah. Horrifying. We're still one more king away before Oliver Cromwell comes in, but oh. that's all very much it being baked into the pie. Okay, so when did did James ever give up on finding witches, or did he just keep witch hunting till he was done? 
you know, his main witch hunt was pretty early in his life. And so I think it sort of like went out of fashion a little bit for him. Like the one that he was present for and like where he was physically there helping to examine witches was uh, pretty early. Um, but that was what I'm looking it up just to make sure I get it right. Um, the 1563. And then the, the, that was when the law passed and then the North Berwick trials in Scotland were in 1590. Mm. So just for context and for a little more dates, uh, which I, I hate he he's King of, uh, England until 1625. Mm. So there's still a good, what I'm so bad at math now, 35 years there for him to, yeah, to I, it's interesting. It's witches, interesting yeah. though to me that when he was not only was he so preoccupied with the concept mm -hmm. of witchcraft and magic, as you said, it there was also a cultural fascination, right? So this is mm -hmm. beyond just him as an individual. This is as a culture. Yeah, you know they were fascinated with witchcraft and and magic. It's interesting to me that with that being the case that there wasn't more reference to it in the Bible. You know what I mean? Even if as purely a negative context, you know what I mean? Cause it's, it's not, you'd think maybe it would have, it would have, I mean, we should have made the book, right? Well, like he, a little bit more. He, he, right. It's called the King. You mean the King James Bible? Yeah. Like, well, so it's called the King's James Bible because he was the one who authorized the first like English translation away oh. from Oh, oh, I see. So what, it didn't really have his spin on it per se. Exactly. Well, but I every see. translation yeah. is going to have a spin. That's yeah, a little thing. bit. Yes. Of what did get translated and what didn't. And he didn't translate it. He, ha he had people he to do that. He just said, gave the because thumbs he up was, to have it done. Yeah. Exactly. He was just king during the time that happened. And he was like, yeah, go ahead. Have fun. Yeah, you want to do this? Go ahead, do it. Go ahead. Translate ahead. away. Yeah. yeah. But I can English, why yeah. not? And this is this is just me being the the critic of of wealthy people controlling the language. Like, mm, I think they also might have chosen some translations that James might have liked better than say other yeah. translations when you really pick sure. apart the oh, Greek, you know, that that the and then I guess eventually the Latin. I'm forgetting my Bible history is, but I actually one time it was in Greek and then it was in Latin and stuff. They would have been right in Latin at this point because okay. that was the whole thing about like what Catholics wanted. Uh, yeah, that's true. So he, so did he, so he was called the witch hunter King, but really this, that there was that one big witch hunt at the beginning of his, if his reign did, um, did that just kind of peter out or did he, did he, did he continue to hunt witches, witches periodically when, you know, things weren't going well? Not so much. He, he championed the legislation to make it. So if other people wanted to be hunting witches, uh, they were free to do so. And so that's why it was sort of under his reign. But early on when he was still just the King of Scotland and not yet the King of Scotland and England was when he had that one central witch hunt. I think I also was mis misspeaking before because I'm bad at remembering that England isn't the whole thing that Scottish right. Welsh and Northern Irish people would get very mad at me that when he was marrying Anne of Denmark, he was only the King of Scotland and just shipping back to Scotland. And mm. then it would be a little bit later that he would be also become King of England, the Scottish King. And then therefore the Scottish play. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious to know how many people were affected by his witch hunt. Do you know? Oh, I wish I knew exactly the, the, I can, probably find out about his his big one north Berwick. yeah let's find out 
I'm so sorry. It's just because like, apologize. It, no, it's We're fine because I'm looking stuff up. It's okay. One. I mean, we just looked up King Duncan on our phone. So like, you know, <laughs> I knew that. What are you talking about? I, I knew that just. So it's 11 and also others not named. So 11 plus. 11 plus. Yeah. But I mean, that's a lot in probably what was one community. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, and it's wild to me. It's wild to me, this concept of like, that like someone just passing the buck of a, a responsibility off meant that someone was labeled a witch. This person's witch. No, I'm not a witch, but Kathy is. You know, it's like, I mean, it's like- Back in the day, they say, hell? it was like, Antifa. No. Yeah. That's, that's right. the original. Yeah. passing the- no. I mean, people- yeah, people also, I think, really like to believe in a in a villain. Like it yes. makes your world yeah. easier. Yes, I think that's why people so get into conspiracy theories because, like, yes, it's so much harder to accept that the world is filled with chaos and and nothing matters, and so much easier to be like, no, there are villains out there, and witches did magic and ruined things for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so much easier to have a scapegoat than to realize that. Possibly your life is based off of your own consequences because of your own poor life choices. Well, and I also think too, what's interesting in that is that like, so for me, at least I think that when people, specifically people who are like hyper-religious, who are like, God has a plan, mm. they'd rather be like, well, it's not God that did this, some hell, this someone that's associated with hell, a devil, a demon did it, because they don't want to just admit that like the world is the world. There's going to be a lot of great, there's going to be a lot of terrible, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be pain. And so that it's, it's why I think people fall so suspect to these, um, uh, to, to these like crazy conspiracy theories, because people are like, Oh, it's just so much easier. It it's way easier to believe that like, you know, like, I mean, it's a good example with QAnon or like the satanic panic that happened in, in the eighties and nineties. It's like, it's, it's, yes. it's easier to be like, Oh, well, the reason that this is happening is because these people are bad rather than just like a normal average everyday person did a bad thing. It's yeah. or like, or there was, or there's a storm. That's just the weather. It's just what it is, you know? So I think that like, I think that when we, when people can have a scapegoat, then they can point a finger and they can be like, well, we'll get rid of those people and then we can fix it. And it tells people that they can fix the problem. And so it's like, it's, I think it's easy for people to just fall for that. People mm. also struggle with not pigeonholing, pigeonholing anything, everything in good and bad. Yes. It's either good or it's bad. Yeah. And the reality is, is everyone is capable of both. And most things are, you know, made from both, you know, I mean, there's good parts of relationships and bad parts of relationships. And just because you have a bad time doesn't mean you don't have good times. And, and, you know, just because someone makes a poor choice doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person, you know, it's, but people mm -hmm. have a very hard time with not making everything very cut and dry, very good and bad. Um, you know, we talk about that a lot with, you know, uh, stories of gods and goddesses and things like that where people want to say this is a good goddess and this or, is a bad goddess. or an evil bad bad goddess this is a yeah. evil goddess this is a nice goddess and it's like well you know you're, you're both a good and a, and a bad person you have the ability to choose either way just just as you know the folklore of of legends of goddesses and gods do and i so, appreciate dana that you, you brought up the the conspiracy theory and the QAnon uh, parallel because it is sometimes easy to laugh at, you know, early earlier eras when things were based largely on superstition and belief in demons and things and say, oh, God, well, aren't we glad we have reason now? Well, I'll be honest, I've, 
I've spent I I've spent some time in areas of the country of the United States where I've been to some very evangelical Christian services where they're talking about I remember hearing the sermon once where this the preacher said one day we will all be lined up and you'll either receive the mark of the beast or you won't and if you receive the mark of the beast you will you know, you'll have food, but then you'll go to hell. But if you don't receive the mark of the beast, you will starve to death and then you'll go to heaven. So you'd be ready to starve and saying these things. And mm. I was talking to some people. These are educated people, professionals. This, we're not talking about people that are living in bunkers somewhere, that they're out, they're, they're shopping at Target. They're, um, you know, working at the hospital or working at the insurance company. And I said, well, do you really believe that? And they're like, oh yes, that will happen wow. one day. One day we will all be lined up and we will be offered the mark of the beast. And I was like, oh, now I'm starting to understand the fears of, you know, there's this this sense of like, there is this this evil thing out there that's going to get us and we're gonna, and oftentimes what's scary for me is how they like, we'll just pin, I've heard people pin it on, say, oh, well, liberals, Antifa, those people, I'm like, oh, you know, that's kind of. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, for, for most of human history, religion was the the, the major structural uh, defining characteristic of life. And uh, that would definitely be incredibly heightened during the 1500s. So I, it always... Um, and point of control. Yes. Oh, my right. God. That's how you controlled a community of yeah. people was through and the so, church. Yeah, I mean... I think that's well, important and through to fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, even though, you know, Arthur Miller writing the crucible is doing it ironically from a place to talk, to use the witch trials to talk about like a modern issue at the time, like McCarthyism. Exactly. Or the, the actual witch hunt in the 1500s, they were true believers. I think even though there was obviously sexism baked into the cake, they thought there were witches. They weren't doing it as like a wink nod. They thought they fundamentally in their heart of hearts thought that Believed, devil yeah. was there and magic existed. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. I have two questions for you, Dana, that are not witch hunt related, but are <laughs> oh, very yeah. important and we need to discuss them immediately. Please. So who is your favorite real life Royal? I know you must get this all the Ooh. time, but we need to know. Oh yeah. We're going to need to know for sure. It, it can be oh. modern. It can be historical. It doesn't matter. Your favorite flesh and blood actually walked this planet Royal. It's so it's a, such a boring answer, but definitely Anne Boleyn. She's just so cool. <gasps> not boring. Yes. Yes. She was accused of witchcraft boring. too. She was. That was at her trial. She was found guilty of it. So tell a little bit about yeah. Anne Boleyn for those who are not as obsessed with royals like like myself and you. Anne Boleyn was the second wife of King Henry VIII. She basically seduced him while he was still married to Catherine of Aragon. Good who girl. Was unable to give Henry uh, a male heir to the throne. Anne Boleyn promised the heir, uh, but the the divorce proceedings with Catherine uh, got so heated between her, the Vatican, and her Catholic allies throughout Europe that Henry basically had to start the entire Church of England for Anne. And then <laughs> when she didn't have a son, thought, well, uh, fuck, this wasn't worth it, and beheaded her. <laughs> I also heard she had 12 fingers. Is that true? That is uh, unfortunately not in the historical record. Oh, bummer. But you never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah, because yeah, that was also considered a mark of the witch if you were born with, with six fingers on An one hand. Finger, and yeah. uh, Faye was rumored to have a mole on her neck, which is why she favored high necklines. Oh, very interesting. Mm, interesting. Okay, who's, who knows? Uh, who's your favorite fictional royal? 
Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. You can say Cersei. I'm not going to judge you. (laughs) (laughs) She's my favorite. I'm going to say Sansa. Yes. Oh, Sansa was good. I liked Sansa the whole way through. Yeah, I was vying for her for the Iron Throne at the end, but yeah, it made sense for her character to stay in the North, but I was, sorry, spoilers for who not watched the terrible final season. The statute of limitation is over. (laughs) Come on, man. Well, I'm going to pose the same question to Kanani and Hillary real quick. Favorite real-life royals, go. (laughs) I have no fucking clue. Um, I feel like you should have prepared us to think about this. I know it's hard on the spot. My favorite, I, I was going to ask, cause I think she was, there was another one, um, that I was just reading about that. I want to say she was the wife of that same King Henry, who the one that supposedly he, he met her because he thought a portrait was beautiful. Anne of Cleves is who we're talking about. Yes, Anne of Cleves. He thought the picture was beautiful and he's like, I'm going to marry her and he flies her over and he's like, ooh, yeah, profile picture does not match the person. And he, I think he ended up offing her. Um, No, she she actually survived. They got divorced. They annulled the marriage. Were they divorced? Oh, they annulled it. That's what it was. They annulled the marriage. uh, That's how we got out of it. She actually lived out the remainder of her life pretty well. The king called her his beloved sister. She got a a nice palace and a a pretty nice, uh, uh, not salary, whatever you call it, if you're like given money for whatever. Alimony. Alimony. Nice alimony. That's pretty good. Alimony. Well, Kanani, if you listen to Dana's podcast, you will learn it wasn't that she wasn't pretty. It was that she accidentally insulted um, Henry's pride when she didn't laugh at his joke. And so he told everyone she was ugly. And so he told everyone she was ugly. Because, you know, again. (laughs) Why are men? Why are men? (laughs) Why are men? men? I mean, it's totally. I don't know. I I think I, I don't necessarily have a favorite royal as much as um, I'm 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 guilty, just like you, Dana. I love the stories. Yeah. Like I could listen. There, it, there's just something about it. Like an article pops up and it talks about you know someone eight million years ago that has nothing to do with anything. And I'm like, oh, the king of what did the what with the what? Like it's it's just interesting and fascinating. And um, you know, I, I think it's also interesting that a lot of times. Uh, we have a very fictionalized version of like, for example, castles. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And what a castle was. Mm-hmm. And so then people I've heard of people will go over to England and Scotland and some of these other places and see a castle it's and they're tea. like, what is this? Huh? Yeah. It's castles and palaces are very different. Yes, totally. Um, so Dana, tell us about your new book. So my new book, I'm so excited. And I feel like this group particularly, hopefully fingers oh, crossed. Oh, they're readers. Like it. Yeah. It's oh, called, they will. It's called um, Anatomy, a Love Story, and it takes place in the 1800s in Edinburgh. And it's um, a love story uh, about a young woman who wants to be a female surgeon and uh, the relationship she builds with um, a body snatcher who sells her bodies to study on. Yes. Wow. So just Dana, one last question. Uh, where can people find uh, follow your work? Yes. Um, follow me on Twitter at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. And also listen to, or also Instagram, I guess, uh, Dana Schwartz with three Zs. And also then um, 
subscribe to to Noble Blood on whatever whatever platform you get your podcasts on. If if you think me yelling about historical royals is something you might enjoy. All right, I am I am friend request or or adding you on. I don't even think we friend request anymore. I'm adding you on Instagram as we speak. Amazing. Okay, well, thank you all so much for listening. And Dana, thank you so much for being with us. Um, if you want to support the show, best way to subscribe and spread the word. Don't forget to also subscribe to Noble Blood. And um, please consider leaving us a rating. Review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also buy us a coffee. Check out our merch in our Etsy store for bonus content. Become a supporter on Patreon. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on a future episode, go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moaning that shit talk to you next week thank you dana i love it thank you so much thank you thank Bye. you i'm gonna i'm also gonna add noble bloods to Woo! spotify it's getting added right now yes it's happening kanani might actually listen to a podcast for one i know oh my god you've literally it's a miracle it is a miracle maybe you're a witch you're a witch that's then, right because i don't know how else we're adopting you <laughs> so mode it be that you think I have the time and energy to do all that. I really, I mean, let alone the fact that I give a shit. Well, give enough of a shit to do those things. Wait. That you think I have that time. Are we, are we victims of your cult? Is that what this podcast actually is? Yeah. You, if so, Damn you're it. doing a terrible job. Actually, doing I'm doing a, a great job. job. You show up every week. And, well, that's true. You don't really listen to anything I say. No, I really don't. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You're doing a terrible job. Yeah, nine times out of ten, we don't know what's going on. So clearly, you're fucking it up. Oh, it's all true. <laughs> Good God, that's what happens when you run a podcast. 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 Hey, I can't. Hey, should we be a? Should we be a? Oh my God, what's wrong today? I don't know. You're losing. You can't speak? I think I was. I was. You know, I had to work so hard at my eloquence, at my response to getting dragged, that I lost all eloquence. So that none of this episode is going to have anything in it. <laughs>